a remarkable and probably unique turnaround for an AM radio station. Amazing. You know, L.A. sports radio seems to suck. I don't know why. You know, Los Angelinos have lots of teams, but the sports radio scene is pretty well stuck in the dugout. And Axios, that digital local news source, is sold for a jaw-dropping number to Cox, of all people. 100-year-old media company. We thought they were out of the media business. Little did we know. We'll talk about that and what it means for dying local media. Well, good morning. We are back with another edition of Media Insultant. Our comments and thoughts on what's going on in the media space. Primarily, we're targeting radio and TV salespeople and management and people particularly on the street. I'm Jackson Weaver in the Pacific Northwest across the lake from Seattle in Kirkland. Also the original home of Costco. That's right. A little bit of of human interest there. My co-host, Keith Samuels, is down in Los Angeles, which is the home of all kinds of shit. That's right, baby. (laughs) (laughs) If it was invented, it was invented in L.A. Tinseltown, baby. Here we go. And by the way, I I, I get a lot of free beers because I know the origin origin of the Kirkland brand at Costco. And it's amazing how few people have figured out why everything's named Kirkland when you go to Costco. There's a great story behind that. It's not a media story, but it's a great story. Great story. Uh, We do this each Tuesday and Friday, Keith, as you know. And so today we'd like to welcome you to the Friday, August 19th episode of Media Insultant. Say what you will about radio. Say what you will about TV, about print. These media have had long, successful rides. I mean, print's been around for hundreds, you know, maybe thousands of years <laughs> in some form or another. Radio's been around a little more than 100 years. TV, about 70 years. So now comes this study from Pew Research that shows that the leading-edge demographic teens, they were always the first to adapt most of these media, has really shifted their social media consumption. You know, we think about social media and teens and actually everybody, but we think about what are the teens doing because that's an indicator of what the future is going to look like. And over the past seven years, Facebook has dropped from 67%, no, 71% weekly usage to 32%, while TikTok has risen to 67%. But guess who the number one social media for teens is today? Uh, Twitter? You're, you're right. No, YouTube. YouTube. 95% oh, of, of yes. teens use YouTube wow. at least once a week. Wow, wow. Now, teens have always been early adopters. So, you know, these media, social media sites may have shorter windows than we think for those of us who are competing against them on the sales standpoint. I mean, uh, remember MySpace? Uh, yeah. Remember uh, Google yeah. Plus? Yeah. No, mm-hmm. nobody remembers mm-hmm. Google Plus. Yeah. Or Friendster. I don't remember that at all, but it it was there. I remember Napster. Yeah, well, that's that's right. Little short flourishes. Point is, is that, you know, we worry about social media competitively on the street, but they may not be around as long or be as influential as we think they're going to be. I guess time will tell and... We'll, uh, we'll just have to write it out. But I thought it was fascinating. You know, Facebook is strictly nowhere with anybody apparently under 35 or 40. It's just us. Well, that's why you they know. refer to it now as a high school reunion for us boomers. Oh, do they? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's you know, it's where, where all the boomers go to find out about their high school reunion and track on their high school buddies. I cannot can argue that. That's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. 
One of the legendary radio stations when you and I were growing up in the 60s and 70s, all the way through the 80s, was 77 WABC, big 50,000-watt AM radio station out of New York City. Uh, and they they did rock and roll under Rick Sklar just brilliantly. It was a ratings force to deal with for decades. Huge ratings. But then they switched from rock to talk in the early 80s, I think. And they did fine for a long time. But then they were sold. And the station declined. And Cumulus finally sold it here a couple of years ago. And by the time Cumulus sold it, they had pretty well screwed it up. It was down to less than a two-share radio station. It was just a shadow. Mm. of its former self. If we remember that, we'd look at the ratings and go, wait a minute, where's WABC? And you go all the way down, they're down at 24th or 25th. Mm. I mean, it was it was just painful. But they're making a real remarkable comeback. They're back in the top 10. Wow. Cumulus sold it to a company called Red Apple Media, which is a guy by the name of John Cattis, uh, Castamatis. Castamatis? I think that's as close as I'm going to get to it right now. Castamatis. Thank you. Much better. You're, yeah. Yeah. And you're much better at interpreting I don't know Greek him. than I am. I don't, I don't know him, but yeah. yeah. Don't know him either, but it's, he made it's all a Greek fortune. to me. Yeah. He made, he made a fortune in the grocery business with the Red Apple stores, and he bought the radio station. And frankly, it sounds like a hobby to me. You know, he's a $3 billion a year company. So, you know, this is, you know, this is a rounding error. But the station now has gone back into the top 10. They had a 4 1 in the last book. And that is so impressive for an AM radio station. Most markets, AM constitutes 10 to 15% of the radio listening. So what was it, Keith? I mean, how do you bring back an AM station? What, what's well, your observation on I, their success? I guess you, you put on some content that people want to listen to or were missing. So what, 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 what's the format like? Well, they claim that news is right down the middle. Uh, they're, okay. um, they, they are, they've got a couple of hosts that are... Progressive, a couple that are on the wacko side. They've got a Bernie and Sid in the morning show, which is classic New York radio. I mean, Bernie and Sid, can you see that? Bernie and Sid in San Diego? No. <laughs> what, but weren't those guys with, with Imus? Were those ex-Imus guys? They could have been. They could and have been. And I, wasn't Imus on WABC? Imus was on WNBC. I don't oh, think he ever made it to WABC. Okay, all right, I don't think all right. so. Okay, okay, that's good. But anyway. And then on weekends, they do an interesting thing. They do music uh, with Cousin Brucie and Tony Orlando. Cousin Brucie was a disc jockey on WABC for decades. And yeah, Tony Orlando yeah. was the guy who did tie yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. Well, it was to uh, Tony Orlando and Dawn. Come on, Tony Orlando. They don't include Dawn on the radio, though. Dawn's not on the radio. Uh, so you know, They had a television show on CBS. I was, you know, it was, they were a big deal. They were a big deal, and so they do music on the weekends, and they talk a lot about the background on the songs rather than just doing throwaway kind of shows that a lot of news talk stations do. So, you know, my takeaway on it, frankly, is this is fabulous, but it's really hard to replicate. You need a lot of capital. Yeah. You need a history. You know, my hunch is that uh, half the radios in New York City, still somewhere on the AM band, have got a preset that goes to 770. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> so, yeah. And so I think that has a, a lot to do with it. New York's a real personal market because of its density. And so it has kind of a different feel. I'm not sure you could do the same feel in Columbus or in Fresno. But I want to congratulate them and uh, hope they uh, continue to do well. Uh, Castamitas. Says he's going to buy more AM stations, and we'll see whether he does that and can do that in other markets. So, well, it, it does sound distinctly New York, 
and you know, I'm, I take umbrage to your you're saying that they have a couple of people on the wacko side. One of those wacko sides, as you're referring to, on the on the uh, roster of personalities. I think he has an hour long show every afternoon. Is the famous Bo Snurdly, and Bo Snurdly was Rush Limbaugh's call screener. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember you know, that for decades. And uh, I'm forgetting his real name currently, but you know, but he's on there. And and Bo's a great guy uh, and a lovely character and a, and a lovely man. You know, he's part of the success at the station, which is great. But I, I, I you know, you talk about an AM station. Um, you know, it's FYI. You know, KFI here in LA has a four five share in the latest month, which would have been July that just came out. So you know, they're in the top ten as an AM station. Um, you know, so there are these little nuggets of AM stations still around that, you know, are, are, are doing great work. You know, it's, you know, uh, KFI is a talk station. Um, uh, they don't pollute it with sports and they're doing, you know, they don't have paid programming. They've just got a roster of amazingly talented uh, personalities, great brand in the marketplace and a, an incredible signal. Uh, you know, it's the same for KCBS in San Francisco. And it was, we talked about WBBM in Chicago. So, so fortunately, I think there's still people doing great AM radio. Uh, and let's just hope that they last <laughs> a little bit longer. You know, some of them will go to FM. But, you know, here's to those people programming on AM and, and getting listeners. Well, and I agree with that completely, except for one thing. Well, the one thing that distinguishes KFI, KCBS, WBBM from WABC is they haven't had a ratings fall. ABC completely yeah. fell out of favor completely. Yeah, KFI maintained an audience yeah, yeah. And, and maintained that, that inertia. So this, for this a would be, station this would, to come back. Yeah, tough, for a station tough, to come tough. back like that on AM is unbelievable. You know, to quadruple your audience on AM is unbelievable. And wouldn't the guy, wouldn't our friends at Lotus, formerly Sinclair, formerly uh, Golden West Broadcast, or whatever it was in between, at KVI, love to do that in Seattle. They would love to be, you know, to have a four share, but it ain't going to happen. No, no, and, and that's actually a real good example. They, they, KVI used to be a dominant station, and they're now under a one share, and yeah. that's, that's, that's not going to come back. All right. You know that we talk about the Cox organization quite a bit, and they'd sold off their uh, radio and TV holdings. Uh, the Cox organization actually is about 100 years old. It started in Dayton, didn't it? Yeah. Dayton, yes. Ohio. Yep, yep. And I got to hand them because they're still innovating in media. It's really amazing. They sold the radio and TV stations. They got about $3.5 billion out of it. But they're not walking away from media. And last week, they stepped up with a $525 million purchase of Axios. may not even be known by some of our audience in terms of what they are. What does Axios do and why did Cox spend so much money on this? Well, it's it's a digital news service. Big, big subscriber base to their digital newsletter. You know, they've got podcasts and everything else. It's a great portfolio of digital news. And um, just stunning that, that Cox won't buy back their radio group, which is currently for sale by Apollo, but they will buy Axios. And I think it, it, it probably fits their genetic code, which is news, newspapers. That's how Cox started. They've, they've even sold off some of their newspapers. So, you know, not all of them. They maintain, I think, three of them. But uh, I think it fits kind of their the, the family's desire to be in the news business. And I think, you know, they still have a financial interest in the television stations and the radio stations. They have a share of ownership. They're not the majority owner. But don't forget, they also have Cox Cable. So they have a very successful cable company. So maybe there's a play with Axios that Axios, be, you know, maybe there's a, a, an Axios cable channel coming to your Cox Cable systems, you know, in the near future. 
but yeah, it, it, it's an interesting play. And the Cox family and, and now their heirs, because the Cox sisters used to run this for years. And Dorothy Cox finally passed away a couple of years ago, you know, in her upper 90s. And bless her heart. And that's when they ended up selling everything. They waited for Dorothy to, to, to pass on. And then, you know, the company changed their format. But, you know, I, I think I think it's a great portfolio build for them. Yeah, I do, too. Um, you know, for people who aren't aware of it, they they do uh, local news coverage in about 24 markets. They wanted, they claim they'll be in 30 markets. And, and they're really nice, neat digital newsletters. They're four or five punchy stories. Sometimes they'll link to other sources. But they're intensely local. And they're, they have local staff who works, mm-hmm. work that particular, those particular markets. It's a quick read format. And it's probably going to, going to continue to work. It's interesting that as long as they've been in business, they've been profitable. Yeah. And the newspapers who have you know, been trying to figure out how to get profitable with this, although they are so burdened with all of the legacy mm-hmm. issues, how we've always done it. That's the way we did it before, and the union issues, and on and on and on. I can see why the newspapers feel real discouraged to see this, because this is this is what they should have been doing ten years ago, yeah. and you know they just they they weren't equipped uh, to do it. I do have to say that for local advertising, the inventory appears to be primarily banners and headlines. You know, yeah. brought to you by. I don't see any compelling sponsorship opportunity with it. And to your point. You know, they could have bought back their radio stations for $300 million, probably four or five times cash flow, and milked the cash for the next five to eight years and yeah. done real well. But yep. no, but that's it. They wanted I, to invest in the future. Exactly. And exactly. And they do believe in journalism. They, and, this, you know, and, and I think, again, um, it's a great play for them to stay in the media business, but in this case, the digital media business. And good for them. So uh, let's let's move on to sports radio in LA because uh, we we have uh, we have really got this is really interesting to me because of all the markets in the country, Los Angeles has more sports teams probably than any two or three markets combined. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, the Dodgers, the Angels, the Rams, the Chargers, the Kings, the Clippers. Who did I forget? The Lakers, the Galaxy, and the list goes on and on and on. So, but. When it comes to sports radio listening, Los Angeles is at number 10, is at the very bottom of the top 10 markets. Boston yeah. is at the top with a yeah. 14 and a half share. Los Angeles is at 2.1. Mm-hmm. You're a sports fan. You're a Los Angelino. Mm-hmm. What are we missing? Why is there so little sports radio listening in Los Angeles, Keith? Uh, good question. And this, this, we, this past weekend, uh, the LA times writer, Bill Shaken dove into that subject and tried to kind of try to get various opinions about it. And his conclusion, or one of the major conclusions in the article was that it was because sports fans in the Northeast are particularly angry. They're angry fans. And that's true. You know, you don't have to uh, listen to more LeBron James complaints about how racist the fans are at Boston Garden uh, or at Yankee Stadium or whatever. But they are they are angrier fans. They're they're more passionate fans. And they are uh, they've got a lot of time on their hands, apparently, to to call into sports talk radio and, you know, and complain and bitch and talk. And so I think that that whole sports culture, um, the upper Midwest, the Northeast, is a lot different than it is in L.A. Now, in L.A., L.A. is a market that supports two NHL teams, two NFL teams, 
two uh, MLB, MLB teams, teams. teams mm-hmm. uh, and all the soccer stuff going on. We got two soccer teams. We got women's soccer. We and don't forget, we've got USC and UCLA. But what's so so my comparison to those northeast cities and even Chicago to a certain extent is they don't have major college sports. What's the major college sports university in New York City or even the New York City area? Rutgers. You know, it's not <laughs> Yale. You know, it's not Princeton. It's not NYU. You know, uh, you know, I guess it could be, you know, they could have a couple of college basketball programs in Boston. Boston. When did Boston College last get into the uh, you know college football playoffs? Never. Penn State is in the middle of nowhere. It's out in Happy Valley in Pennsylvania. It's nowhere. You know, Philadelphia doesn't have a big college town. So there, you know, I we've always had great college athletics here. Uh, so so if there's something fans are passionate about in L.A., it's USC and UCLA. But beyond that, you know, we're we're kind of chill. We're kind of mellow. Kind of hey, dude, you know. Hey, we're all about beach volleyball. You know, my university, USC, has won the beach volley- women's beach volleyball national championship, you know, since they, ha- since they started it. Not a big ratings getter, you know. <laughs> so I think because of that anger and yeah. because, because <clears throat> it's professional sports driven, that passion, that's where the passion is, then, you know, that's, that's where you see Boston, New York, uh, you know, Chicago, Philadelphia, D.C., you know, more engaged than they are in L.A. Now, that said, the article did go on to interview Don Martin, who's one of the greatest sports program directors ever. Don's, Don's figured it out. He knows how to take a, 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 a radio station that ranks 27th or 26th in the marketplace and make it a top 10 billing station in the marketplace. It's amazing. Right. Yeah. This, the power ratio was with sports is is something that you know gets forgotten, particularly by the mainstream press, because they don't understand the value of sports and the passion that gets behind it when people want to be involved with it. I think you know the other factor that is that you that you touched on is Los Angeles is a um, I'd call it a transitory market. A lot of people move in, a lot of people move out. Places like Boston, you know, everybody's third generation, right? And those those roots to to reinforce that those roots are are real big. And you know, there's uh, there's another consideration. These are all in Los Angeles, all AM stations. None of them with killer signals. KLAC, I think, has five thousand watts, but and they're low dial, so they do okay. But it might be different if they had a full power FM doing full time sports. Well, but, and that'll but, probably happen. Yeah, but you know, the the, Ra- the Rams are on uh, on uh, Jack FM. Uh, you know, they're on Odyssey's uh, FM. Uh, who is it? The Chargers are on KYSR, which is uh, is an alt rock station on FM. Uh, so they're, you're, they're running some of the play by play on FM. But what's interesting to me, and I just want to make this point, that no one outside of our business really understands, and that is, is that Don Martin really flourished at KLAC under the guidance and leadership and mentoring of Greg Ashlock. And Greg Ashlock now runs the markets group for iHeartMedia, but he started in LA with the Dodgers. Then he got over to KLAC and then oversaw the uh, Clear Channel cluster in LA. So Don, there's nobody better, and I swear to God, there's nobody better at making money off of sports than Greg Ashlock, okay? And I used to, when I worked at Clear Channel, I sat next to all the sports sales guys. And the deals they were doing, they had the Lakers at the time, the deals that they were doing were just so amazing 
people, advertisers were so desperate and so wanting to get courtside seats for the Lakers. And this was back when, you know, magic. And I mean, it was the end of the magic era, you know, getting into the segue into the, the next phase of the Lakers. But you, you do anything. So they're doing quarter million dollar deals. I'm hearing guys screaming through the, you know, above the cubicles and through the walls about all the deals are getting because the guy you want, you want courtside seats. You give me two hundred fifty thousand dollars. OK, get 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 a quarter of a million dollars out of the budget, you know, or or we'll package up the sweets night. Now they have the they have the Dodgers. They've got 81 home games for the Dodgers. And if you watch those Dodger games, you see those seats behind home plate. Those are seven hundred fifty to a thousand dollars a seat a game. And guess what? iHeart's got they've got probably four to eight of them. And, and so, you know, you, you can see every media major media buyer in L.A. sitting behind home plate in those iHeart seats. Plus, they've got the suite upstairs, all right? They owned all those assets, and no one knows how better to use those assets than Greg Ashlock, Don Martin, and Jeff Thomas, and they crush it. KLAC sucks in the ratings, sadly, because they've got a few good shows, but they kill it in revenue, and they kill it in revenue because they know how to leverage those merchandising opportunities better than anybody else on the frickin' planet. So, well, and that that is sports radio sales is is merchandise, and they've got they've got it perfected. They really do, and it's tough to be with tough to tough to be a music station in that cluster because you're getting your ass kicked by those guys down the down the. Just try to get a couple of Dodger tickets out of those guys. Not going to happen because every <laughs> Dodger ticket they give to somebody at you know ninety eight seven money. is is costing them money. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, since um, since you are dropping names here, let's drop another one. Ed Stoltz. Remember Ed Stoltz? Oh, oh God. How can we forget? Uh, we can't. He's back, and we're going to talk about it next week. Uh, he had another judgment in his saga over his station group in bankruptcy, and the wheel continues to turn. So we'll talk about that first thing next week. But for today, that's it, Keith. It's been great. Media Insultant drops new shows each Tuesday and Friday on all the podcasting platforms. Videos are at the Media Insultant Showcase on Vimeo. Or, hey, how about this for an idea? Just use our QR code. It'll take you right to the showcase, the QR code that is on your screen right now. Media Insultant is a <laughs> Media Insultant is a production of InTown Media, an interim broadcast management company. We love your comments anytime, Jackson at InTown Media. And we'll be back on Tuesday, Keith. And I will see you then, and we'll be talking about Ed Stoltz. Yes, have a great weekend, Jackson. Off to the beach. <laughs> <laughs>